get so flustered and frustrated reading news report after news report after news report. And who would have thought from back in March, here we are still today in our world where fear is being driven and people are scared, people are nervous, things are falling apart. You can look at those reports and you can start believing those reports. But the Bible says in Isaiah 53 in verse 1, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? God's arm is revealed to those who believe his report. I choose to believe that the report of Jesus Christ, his blood still speaks better things. I know it did awesome things for the church of Acts in the Bible, but his blood still, the Bible says that Abel's blood still cries out today. And if a man's blood, and for those who may not be aware, Abel was the first person murdered in the Bible some 4,000 years ago. And if his blood is still audible, crying out from the soil, and God hears it, and the world feels the curse and effect of it, I believe the blood of Jesus is crying louder. That old blood of Abel cried for vengeance, but Jesus' blood cries redemption. Jesus blood cries healing. If you believe that report, would you thank the Lord? Hallelujah. I believe the report of the Lord. I believe the report of the Lord. And it is important that we keep reading that report. So this week, you know, if, if you're typically the type of person that looks at social media to find the news headlines, just, just drop that for a week and open up Isaiah 53 and read that report. And what's so interesting about that report is it looks very negative. Because the entire time it's about somebody getting beat, about getting whipped, about being lied on, about being basically uh, attacked. All these horrific things. But the Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. It was a prophecy about Jesus. Everybody looked at the report of Jesus Christ and they came to a negative conclusion. They believed the fake news instead of the faith news that Jesus Christ was going to come out the victor, that Jesus Christ was going to be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And so we don't have to fear a negative report if we believe the right report. And you heard that moment just about five, ten minutes ago when there was a, 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 a proclamation went forth. The gift of tongues was uttered in this room. And the gift of interpretation went forth. If you're here and you've never been in an environment where someone spoke in tongues that loud and then somebody gave an interpretation, your assignment is to read 1 Corinthians 14 or chapter 12. Very clearly it states that these are the gifts That God gives to his church. And in verse 14 it explains. To help give us direction and understanding. And the word of the Lord said look. Things will get worse. But the church is in God's hands. This world is not in the media's hands. It's not in the government's hands. The government will be upon his shoulders. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Meaning that God's kingdom is going to be ever expanding. We are under the right jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. And the church will be victorious. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40 and 41. We'll preach now, I guess. But man, I just, I, I feel good in the Holy Ghost today. I really do. I really do. I know there's people sick today. I know there's people traveling, but uh, God made the effort to be here today. You made the effort to be here today. That is set up for a wonderful equation and conclusion that if God wanted to be here, you wanted to be here. The spirit of the Lord is going to do something today. Verse 40 says, let us search and try our ways. Turn again to the Lord. You know, if you mess up again, you can turn again. That's the beauty of God. He's not one and done with you. He, he wants to keep working on you. He wants to keep reaching out to you. And so it says, turn again to the Lord if you found yourself messed up. It says, let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. I want to talk just for the next couple moments about hearts and hands. Hearts and hands. And I believe we have a word from the Lord here today. We heard the utterance that went forth, the interpretation that we're in his hands. We're in his hands. And your heart is safest in God's hands. But there's a way to get your heart to his hands. And that is with your hands lifted to him. Would you pray with me right now with your hands lifted to heaven? With as a sign of giving your heart to God and saying, God, today, I want my heart to be in your hands. And Lord, I give my heart to you via my hands lifted unto God who is in the heavens. Lord, I lift my hands to you today, Jesus. I lift my heart to you today. I lift my voice to you today, Jesus. Lord, I believe in you. I lean on you. I rely on you. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Talking about hearts and hands. Our heart is very important. Perhaps you are familiar with the proverb 4.23 that we have been given uh, a, a charge to keep, to watch, to protect our hearts with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. This heart, and he's talking more than this physical thing, but the, 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 the spiritual side, the emotional side of the heart. There's a lot of traffic that goes through this emotional bag that pumps so much blood. This this heart, he says, you need to guard it. You need to be diligent to make a concerted effort because there's a lot of issues in this life and a lot's going to go through this heart. And we got to watch after our hearts. We got to protect our hearts. Paul gave a charge to Timothy. Paul was not only a man that went forth starting churches, he built leaders. He, he would find certain people with the call of God in their life and he would develop them. And Timothy was one of those people. And he writes to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 8. And he goes, I, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Everywhere you find yourself, it's a good place to be found praying. But And he says... While you pray, there's multiple ways you can pray. But he says, I would that people would pray with their hands lifted up. 
And not the hands just lifted, but indicating a lifestyle that these hands are holy to God. That these hands are more than just whatever career I choose, whatever education I choose. But these hands more than a hobby. It's about these hands being holy. I want to be holy in my behavior with uh, with these hands that God has given me. But these hands were not meant just to merely put in 40 hours here or there. They were meant to give unto God in prayer, to be lifted up into prayer. Because it is possible to have hands that are not holy. It's possible to have hands that are filled with wrath. It is possible to have hands that are filled with doubting. But Paul says, take those hands and make them praying hands. And take those hands and lift up those hands as holy hands unto the Lord. This current prolonged state of affairs that our world is found living in is wearing on the condition of people's faith. Wrath is high. Faith is low. As it was mentioned during the worship service here that you just look at the news and you see all the wrath, you see all the problem, you see all the rage, you see it's just riot after riot. It is protest after protest. It is political turmoil after political turmoil. It is frustration after every day another frustration is found. And so Paul says, look, you kind of look at your hands and do something other than have wrath and doubt with those hands. Put those hands to something holy and plug into something called prayer. And in that time of prayer, every now and again, you have to change your posture because we are more familiar with a prayer posture. You maybe have seen pictures or a silhouette with hands folded together, bowed at the knees, which there is nothing wrong with that. It is ways that I have prayed numerous times. But every now and again, I got to take these hands and I got to make sure I'm living holy and I want God to see those hands in his presence lifted up. A behavior recommended by an apostle is a pretty convincing reason to try that behavior. When the apostle Paul is investing, he's pouring into somebody and we are blessed to be able to eavesdrop on the text message here. We're allowed to pick up the cell phone and read this, this one-sided text from Paul to Timothy. And Paul, this apostle, no doubt most many or not all in this room would admire or aspire to be like him in some regards as he followed Jesus. We want to follow him as he made that recommendation. If he makes the recommendation and, and all of his experience says, look, there's something about lifting your hands holy unto the Lord, I would take self note and say, I think I want to try what the apostle is recommending. Hebrews 12, 12, some argue this is Paul writing, some say another. But whether it's Paul or not, again, we see repeated to lift up the hands. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. I had a teacher at Bible college once told the class that when you see the word wherefore, ask why it's therefore. And it says, wherefore, lift up 
the hands which hang down. Why would he say that? Well, you just got to scale back some verses here. And you look at verse 11. This is the context. He says, now, no chastening or rebuking or discipline for the present seemeth to be joyous. Who enjoys being disciplined in the present moment? Who enjoys a rebuke in a present moment? It is a grievous feeling. It is not a joyous feeling. But nevertheless, afterward, there is the present, but there is the afterward. And afterward, it yields something. It produces. There is a harvest of peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Basically, he is saying those who exercise their faith by lifting their hands will have a harvest. It is hard to lift hands under the current circumstance. It is difficult to lift hands that are hanging down in knees that are feeble under the present situation. And he is talking here specifically about a rebuke towards the church. But this moment that the church is going through, it is for a better purpose. Presently, not enjoyable. Presently, it is purging. Presently, it is painful. But he says, look, there is an afterward. And that's what we look for. He's using the illustration, the imagery of farming. Farming who presently enjoys planting the seed. Who presently enjoys bearing the heat of the day on the neck, on the back. Who presently enjoys a broken down tractor or a broken uh, uh Ox back in the day, I'm trying to think of the word, the yoke that you got to repair in a line and straight up. What farmer enjoys that present process that is painful? But see, there is a harvest that comes afterward. And the farmer doesn't go through the painful process in the work because it is enjoyable in of itself, but in hopes of he is plowing in hopes of that there is a harvest to come. And so Paul here, he says, I would that you would lift up holy hands that you would just do this because afterward you will have a harvest that is peaceable. You have a harvest that is righteous. He see to those who exercise their faith by lifting their hands. He says that's the thing to do. That's the exercise that you need. Because, you know who wants to exercise when you've been out of exercise? I could I could speak to that so fluently right now because I feel like I am the worst out of shape individual in the room. I have not performed exercise for X amount of years. And I feel the pain, but the process produces. The process has a reward. There is a return from the investment. And Paul is saying, look, wherefore lift up those hands that hang 
down. Paul was preaching to nonverbal communication. He was reading what they weren't saying audibly, but he can note by their body language that you need to exercise. You need to lift up the hands that are down. The reason why they are down is because the spirit it is down, but you need to exercise by faith and pick up the hands that are hanging down. You don't feel like going and plowing. You don't feel like working that field, but that field that you exercise in will give you a return, a harvest that will give you the peace that surpasses understanding, that will give you the righteousness in an unrighteous world. It is why Paul and the writers of the gospel begin to speak here of the importance of lifting hands. Made that statement of nonverbal communication back in the 70s. There was a, a man, a professor named Mara, Mayor Bayan. I don't know if I'm saying his name correct, but this Mara Bayan, Mara Bayan, whatever, he studied basically nonverbal communication or what you would call body language in his extensive studies and research, which is still used today, basically uh, came to this conclusion of three numbers, seven, 38 and 55, that when you are talking to somebody, basically only 7% of your words matter. It is the 38% of the words that are used with tone. That are used, uh, what words you use, the speed, the rate at which you use them, and the tone at which you use them, that is a part of your communication. But by vast majority, no less than 55% of your communication is your body language. What you do with your eyes, what you do with your hands, what you do with your body, how you're moving, how you're swaying. He goes, that is what makes the difference between effective communicators or ineffective communicators. Or basically you are effective at being ineffective. Or you are not communicating your point by the language in which you are using with your body. And Paul, he, I'm not saying that Paul studied, you know, uh, psychology and things of that matter. But he was just a person that observed this reality. That what you do with your hands communicates something to God. And it communicates something to the rest of the body of Christ. It lets people know where you are at and how you are doing this. Why else would Paul make a matter of something that some would argue is a non-issue or a non-matter? But Paul says, look, the way I see it, the way you're walking, the way you are in church, the, this chastening that you're going through, this process, this season that you are going through, I want you to exercise your hands. It's not joyous while you do this exercise. It is grievous 
while you do this exercise. But this grievous exercise of strengthening your knees upright and lifting your hands upright. He says there is a fruit of peace and there is a fruit of righteousness. And if you're here today in a world full of chaos, absent, void of peace, I'm telling you to strengthen your knees here today. I wonder if somebody would lift up a hand today and they would begin to plant a harvest that God is going to give you a return. I am not a fool to believe that it is the only way to pray or that it is the only way to talk to God or that it is the only way to express oneself because you read in the Bible about meditation. You read in the Bible about silence. You read in the Bible about kneeling. You read in the Bible about laying prostrate before the Lord. There is a multiplicity. There is a variety of expression to God. But sometimes if you just can recognize this reality, that my soul is grievous. I am without peace and I am without joy. This is when Paul begins to speak about what you do with your legs and what you do with your hands. And he says, I'm not, I'm not saying you do it every single day and all the time, but on the days you're down, it's grievous to get up. But if you would get up and lift your hands as you lift your eyes and you lift your voice, God will lift you up. That's the benefit of doing something Thing called exercise in prayer and praise. We go on here. The word of the Lord. The book of Mark chapter 16. Jesus has rose from the dead and he's visiting his disciples during a meal. I don't know if you've ever experienced having an uninvited dinner guest before. You just show up and... Uh, or maybe you invited somebody, but they invited like a couple more people that you had no idea they were going to bring. It can make things a little awkward, uncomfortable, but you try to plow on through it. But just to add insult to injury, and all of a sudden that uninvited guest begins to insult the food. Or insult your table manners. That would make it a bit difficult. And here... I, I, I've had moments where, like, you know, the, the, especially now, and uh, out of state it is for sure. It's happened a couple of times where we, we go out to eat in a group, and they split the table because, you know, you can't spread COVID in groups of six. But, you know, in groups of 14 or 12, you can spread it. So if they split it in half as separate tables, you're okay. And so so you have to split. And sometimes if, if you've ever been out to eat, it's just kind of the thing Pentecostals do. It's like our, our hobby, our ritual. After church, after any event, you, you, you find out where people are eating. And I don't know if you've ever sat in a group. And as you sit in that group, like, you know, you, you did not get situated where you probably wanted to. You're at the wrong end of the table. And you want to be at that end of the table because you know that person is going to bring life to the conversation and now you're away from the conversation and you're with somebody that has awkward conversation. There's moments like that. 
where you kind of sit and you look at another table. Man, I wish I was sitting over there. But you don't say it because you're such a godly, upstanding citizen. And you are trying to do the best that you can. But Jesus, uninvited, uninvited, comes to where they're eating in verse 14. He appears to the 11 as they're sitting down and eating. And here's what this uninvited guest does. He abrades them. Now, it doesn't mean he was braiding their hair. It means he was tearing into them. He was rebuking them. Why would Jesus, this uninvited guest to dinner, begin to rebuke? It's because he began to read something about them. There was unbelief and there was hardness of heart. You want to talk a multi-layered problem. He says, they believe not them which seen him after he was risen. Still later, he appeared to the eleven as they were eating. And he rebukes them for their stubborn unbelief. Now remember why the chastening. The rebuke, the chastening was because of unbelief. The unbelief was high. The faith was low. And Jesus was not okay at leaving the ones he loved most in that condition. He loved them enough to talk to them about their condition. He loved them enough to forget the meal and get to the main course of what mattered for the people he loved more than anybody else. Why would he chasten them? Because of the unbelief. But how does he address their condition? We read here in the following verses, verse 15 on down. Here's what Jesus says to an unbelieving group with hands that hang down in knees that are feeble. He says, go. And I don't want you just to go here or there. I want you to go to the entire planet and preach this gospel to every single creature. How does Jesus address their condition? Action. Action is how he best can help and address their condition. And verse 16, he preaches the mantra that should be in every one of believers' hearts. That he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And in his name, you You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Look at that litany of action that he says they are to be or will be a part of because they are believers. Because you're a believer, you're going to have power over devils and cast them out. Because you are a believer, you will be baptized. Because you are a believer, you will speak new tongues. Because you are a believer, you're going to have this kind of authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He's saying this to unbelief. He's saying it to hard-hearted, unbelieving, conditioned 
people. They've been living in this condition away from their physical Messiah because they've been separated from Jesus. Everything looked like it was crumbling and falling apart. There was no hope for their movement. And now they are isolated, separated and hiding for fear. And now fear is begetting fear. It's compiling. It is growing. And Jesus decides to show up at their dinner and begin to deal with unbelief. And he says, listen up, unbelief, go, go, go. He is chastening them and saying the best way to deal with your inaction is action. The best way to deal with your unbelief is to get up and do what I'm telling you to do. And as you go, it's only going to take one sick person that is healed that will heal you of your unbelief. It's going to only take one person that you pray for to get filled with the Holy Ghost to help you to be full of the Holy Ghost. If you feel like your tank is on empty, if you feel like you're barren in a wasteland, Jesus says, go, go, go. While you're feeling down, strengthen the knees, stand up, go and lift up holy hands. Jesus never addressed the feeling. You fight feeling with feeling. He says you fight that feeling with action. Go and do. Go and do. And what happens? Verse 19. After the Lord speaks that to them, he goes up into heaven, sits on the right hand of God. And what did they do? They went forth. They preached everywhere. And what happened when they preached everywhere? The Lord worked with them. And he confirmed the word with signs following. We want a sign to go. God says, go and I'll give you a sign. That's the order in which things happen. He's talking to unbelief. And he says, unbelief, you hear what I'm saying? Do what I'm saying and I'll be with you. And I'll confirm with signs following. And what's so awesome is this non this this action that they would do the the hands the laying on the hands that were hanging down. Now they're lifting up and placing on other people as they begin to do that, as they begin to communicate that body language, laying hands upon someone is a communication. It's a nonverbal communication. It is body language saying, look, I have faith. I believe I'm obeying. I'm practicing the word. And as they did that nonverbal communication, it brought apostolic demonstration. This is the element that I am speaking to in this room. We want demonstration and God wants that nonverbal communication from you. If you would give God that nonverbal communication, he will give you that apostolic demonstration. We can pray about miracles, signs and wonders all we want, but until these feeble knees have some walking in them, until these hands that are hanging down lift up and give an invitation to somebody or lay hands upon someone and pray for them, it is in that nonverbal communication. We do 
through verbal communication and prayer. We, we, pray, we, we speak, we, we whisper, we shout, we talk in tongues, whatever is going on in your prayer closet. We do that communication. But there's a nonverbal communication that will help your heart. And it's found when your hands are lifted up. I wonder if we could pray for a moment here. I want to be sensitive to the course of action, which we do. But I, I wonder if there's anybody here that would simply, upon the recommendation of the Bible, the Apostle Paul, that you would lift up holy hands right now. Based upon the word of God, not, not the preacher, but the word of God. Would you lift up holy hands? And I believe with lifted holy hands... God can take care of the doubt. God can take care of the fear. Would you lift up holy hands? Come on, just lift up your voice to Jesus. Just do it. There is a God here that loves you so much. And this God that loves you so much wants to help you more than you want help yourself because he created you and he loves you. As we lift up holy hands, there is a holy God that says, I I see your heart in your hands right now. Because as you lift your hands, lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah said, you give God your heart as you lift your hands. As you lift your hands, it is an extension of the heart to a God who loves you. You are going to have a harvest that is peaceable. I prophesy you will have a harvest that is peaceable. For the word of the Lord declares it right now. The word of the Lord declares a peaceable harvest from hands that are lifted. God can give peace to wrath. God can give peace to doubt. God loves you and he's here right now. Oh, would you lift your voice with those lifted hands and God will be the lifter of your head. God will be the lifter of your spirit. God will be the lifter of your heart. God will lift you that have hands hanging down. I'm done. I wonder if we could stand together right now. Oh, would you stand? I know our posture inwardly might be that of Hebrews 12. Feeble knees, heavy hands. But if we would exercise our faith. I don't, I can't speak for anyone else in this room, but I could speak for myself. I've said this a number of times in traveling, but I have found it more difficult than any other time in my ministry. I've only been at this for a short 14 and a half years, but I have found it more difficult to find the right posture in prayer. I don't even want to get out of bed every morning. I'm not even a morning person, but I've always disciplined myself to get up. 
But I struggle now. There's just something trying to plaster me down. And then when I find somewhere to pray, like before it was just, it was easy to stand. It was easy to pace. It was easy to jump. It was easy to lift my hands. But there is just a worldwide breeze, this wind stream going across the world to keep people's hands heavy, to keep people's knees feeble. I don't, I, I, I can give a number of opinions as to why I believe lifted hands help. You've heard me probably teach before that it's a struggle to lift your hands because it, you're vulnerable when your hands are lifted. If you've ever fought, you don't fight with lifted hands. You, you guard yourself. You guard your internal organs. You guard your face. But this is a vulnerable. This is a position of surrender. We know that in, in society. But people are afraid to do that right now because we know the mantra that has gone on. That people say, well, even if I lift my hands, I'll still get shot. There's just this fear of being vulnerable and exposed. So we're guarded people. It's also a reaching out. It's an extension. It's a feeling after. But even with those explanations, we don't definitively know why. There's a story in your Bible in Exodus 17, 11, and 12. There's a major battle going on in Exodus 17, 11, and 12. It's the people of God against the enemies of God. And from this, this prayer room that people are not aware of above, this battle's going on. And it gives no explanation other than this is what happens in observation. That when Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. And whenever he let his hands down, the enemy prevailed. And if that should be some motivation to lift hands, right? But even with that motivation in Revelation, verse 12 says Moses' hands were heavy. You are not some immoral being because you find it hard to lift your hands. Moses, there ain't nobody on planet Earth, the Bible says, that knew God face to face like Moses knew. And if Moses can have moments in a battle where it's just hard to lift his hands, you better believe you and I will struggle in seasons to lift our hands. But with that said, you still know the power that is in lifting the hands. Even though it's hard next to impossible, he found a way to make it possible. And it was the family of God that helped stay his hands up. And if you find it difficult to keep your hands up, there are brothers and sisters in this church that will help lift your hands for you if you would let them. And when that happened, Israel won the battle. Again, I don't have a, all the understanding as to why. There's no precedent for this in Scripture in Exodus 17. There's, there's nothing before that where God says, Moses, thou shalt lift up thy hands 
the 11th commandment. No. And sometimes it's not an explanation or another scripture you need. It's a mere act, as Paul said in Hebrews, exercising your faith to lift those hands. Because if there's something that I have learned in my short 14 and a half years of pastoring, is when I'm in the battle, it's hard to lift my hands. But if I can lift my hands in the battle, for whatever reason, I see a harvest that comes. Whether it be the soul of somebody, or whether it just be for my very own soul, because I have a famine of peace. But Paul says, if you would lift up those hands that hang down, you will sow or you will reap peaceable righteousness. And if you are here today and there is a battle, whether it's for you yourself internally or whether it is something going on in your family or it's just something you sense in the spirit, the Holy Ghost is giving you direction today about your heart that needs that healing, that needs that work. By extension of lifting the hands, it goes to God. That is what we read in the opening scripture of today. And I'll read it again. If they want to put it on the screen, great. If not, don't worry about it. Just listen. It says, search and try your ways. Turn again to the Lord. Lift up your heart with your hands. And whatever condition your heart is right now, you just got to give it to God by lifting up your hands. And as we begin to do that, the battle that is waging and roaring and happening right now, I believe God will turn the tide. The battle, as it said, t- stated today in the, pro- the, the interpretation, that declaration, that things will get worse. But God says, look, you're safe in my hands. Why don't you lift your hands to his hands and you give, begin to give him your heart and let God begin to do the work right now? Would you lift your voice and would you lift your hands and let God be the lifter of your head right now as you begin to do that I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for a peaceable harvest I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for a righteous harvest the things that you long for the things that you desire they are going to be found by extension of those holy hands without wrath and without doubt Would you exercise your faith by obedience right now? Hallelujah. That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I lift my hands to you, Jesus. I lift my hands. And as I lift my hands, Lord, I lift my heart. And as my heart is in your hands, I shall be healed. I shall be healed. I shall be healed. That's it. There's a peaceable harvest in the house. There's a righteousness in the house. Come on, your harvest is here. Your harvest is here. Exercise that faith.